Thank you everyone for joining us today to hear more about Accenture and the world of consulting. Our next-gen consultants have such incredible ramblers to guide them through how they're exploring consulting. And we have three more ramblers joining us, actually two ramblers and an honorary rambler. So <laughs> I can't wait to introduce you to Demi, Mary, and Lerone. We are going to be talking about the role of gender, the role of women really in large consulting organizations. We recognize that Accenture, again, is one of the leading world's global industry or global consultancies. And yet across all of these industries that they serve, women are leading the way. In fact, Accenture CEO is a female. And so we want to really hear about what it's like to be a female, to be a woman in consulting. So we have three experts with us. So we're going to do some introductions. We'll hear about their, their journey and their path into consulting, some moonshot moments. And we'll talk more about really what it takes to have this type of career. So Demi, do you want to start in and tell us more about your background and, and really how you got to Accenture? Sure, sure. So, um, so I guess uh, my name is Demi Generis. I um, so I've been working in consulting for about two years, but before that, I was working for Northwestern University for about about six years. And what I was doing was, um, you know, it was a pretty small shop. You know, I was doing a lot of their um, analytics, their reporting, their data strategy, their data governance. Um, and so because of that, I was able to wear a lot of hats, you know, and um, got to meet a ton of fabulous people. It was, it was a really wonderful experience. But um, after a certain time, it was it was kind of time to you know move on to something that's bigger, you know, um, you know to move into a bigger shop, you know, where I could learn from other technical experts. And in order to pivot, I actually you know went to Loyola. I got my MBA and concentrated in information systems. And my path was really um, at the career fair <laughs> when I uh, I met someone, uh, you know, at one of the booths, and it was for um, a consulting firm. Um, it wasn't Accenture at that time, so it was Clarity Insights. Mm -hmm. And what they focused on was specifically um, technology consulting and their different divisions actually aligned to every single thing that I was doing at Northwestern so I was like wow this is just like totally perfect fit um, and uh, yeah and so it's kind of a, a funny story you know uh, the way that I kind of, I kind of basically pivoted um, you know from uh, Northwestern into um, consulting after that and um, and after a time you know um, basically uh, Clarity Insights was then acquired by Accenture so I've, all, I've been a part of Accenture actually since June of this year <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah, it's been, it's a really, really great experience so far. So. Well, and I, to brag about Demi too, Demi and I have known each other for a long time. So we had, you were in class as an undergrad with me and then you had microenterprise consulting and I was just bragging as well that you were your graduation commencement speaker. So we are really in the pro hands of this audio recording. So Demi, thank you so much. Mary, what about you? Yeah, so I attended Loyola a few years ago. I got my five-year MBA, so I went straight from undergrad right into grad school. And while I was in grad school, I studied both marketing for undergrad and grad. But while I was in grad school, I was working as an intern uh, with a startup out of 1871, an incubator in Chicago. And once I finished my MBA, I was trying to find other opportunities at the incubator because I was certain I was going to end up with a startup and it was actually an Accenture team out of 1871 oh. and they approached me they had heard 
good things and wanted to hire me on as a contractor. And I, I say that I joined Accenture in the non-traditional way, but I also know that anymore they're really, once you get past entry level, there isn't really too much um, that's traditional anyway. But so I joined as a marketing analyst for an internal team. It was like an innovation studio. I did internal comms for them, not knowing what the heck I was doing because I literally like consulting was the last thing I'd even consider. I hadn't even heard Accenture when I uh, interviewed because I was just, I was a startup girl. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so after working with them for about a year, that team evolved into something different, more of a storytelling studio. So my role changed and I was working a little more, um, like a consultant, but I was a creative. So I was doing the writing, I was doing the designing, but I would go to client sites and I would also help uh, lead design thinking workshops and facilitating those. So I did a lot of different things with different clients and it'd be really short two week projects. And it was uh, very exhausting and a different kind of pace that wasn't, didn't have a ton of career growth. It was kind of like I plateaued at some point. Hmm. So I would, to find an internal transfer role so i actually just transferred a year ago and now i'm in the larger marketing part of an organization so previously i was the only marketing person in a vast sea of consultants and then now i'm on a large marketing team and finally getting my footing there and it's, it's very interesting so i been already through a few different places in Accenture uh, last few years. That's awesome. So it's both of you have had these sort of moonshot grand challenges. You know, how do you come into Accenture from an acquired company? How do you come into Accenture from 1871 startup culture? It's really it's remarkable, and I think the path is that there is no one path. So <laughs> very encouraging, Leroy. What about you? So my path is different <laughs> than everyone. Um, well, not only did I not go to Loyola, um, but I have, I've had a very winding road to where I've landed and um, not even sure if where I've landed is where I will stay. Um, but I've been at Accenture for six years and I got into Accenture so randomly. My I didn't even really know where to start in my career story because it is so random, but my undergrad is in psychology. Oh, and um, I, for the longest time, thought that was what I was going to pursue and that I wanted to you know, go to grad school, get a PhD, do that whole thing and be a therapist. And then my senior year, uh, I basically you know, had a meltdown and realized I don't actually know what I want to do. And so... Now I graduate with a psychology degree, which is next to pointless <laughs> and not really, but like, but, it's not an applied degree. Right. It's not, right. I'm not trained for any specific thing. Right. So I jumped around. I was in the restaurant industry for a while and then I was in insurance sales and then I was in banking. Um, and then I I was in healthcare for an agency that was kind of an intermediary between hospitals and um, public aid offices to help people get on Medicaid. It was basically part of the revenue cycle of the hospital. And then um, from there, I got laid off. So that was kind of a big turning point for me um, because I was already pretty 
unhappy with the path that I was on, but really unsure with unsure about what to do next. Um, and I think that especially with a psychology degree um, compared to, for example, my friends who got marketing degrees or other business degrees where in classes you learn about resume writing and job searching and but in the psychology department you learn about doing research and applying to grad school and so I felt very ill-equipped to decide what to do next so then being laid off that obviously was not my choice but it kind of opened up a lot of doors for me because when you're unemployed you will take anything and so I was a year into my MBA at that point, I had decided to go back to school thinking this will at least help me with my next step. And so halfway through when I lost my job and I met a friend in class who worked for a hospital in Chicago. Um, she worked for Swedish Covenant Hospital and it is affiliated with North Park, which is where I got my MBA. And so you know, the accounting department needed a, a temp in accounts payable. And I was like, I, I'll do anything for free. I, I don't even care. I need yeah. experience. I need something besides what felt like a useless liberal arts degree. Um, and so I, I temped and ended up getting hired on and working there for two years in finance and accounting, not as an accounts payable um, temp, but I got like an actual role and was mentored by the controller and was in grad school at the same time, learning about the things that I was doing at work at the same time and just a crash course in accounting and finance. And, um, and then I thought, well, if I'm going to stay in accounting and finance, maybe I should think about getting my CPA, but I've never taken any accounting classes before. And so I took a couple of accounting classes at a community college thinking that was going to be my next path. And after I did that, I thought, I do not want to go back to school again. I've finished my MBA. I've worked here for two years now. I really don't think I want to go back to school. So I thought, let me see what my MBA will do for me. And so I just literally applied for jobs everywhere. And Accenture randomly called me. That's awesome. So I... I was joking about that with a friend recently, like who gets a job by randomly applying on their website? And I was like, well, actually that's how I ended up at Accenture. And six years later, here you six are. Six years, yeah. So I spent four years in finance internally. And then at the beginning of 2019, I decided um, that it was time to just make a change. And it was kind of burnt out on finance. And to be honest, finance and accounting wasn't necessarily something that I it was that's it all starts with where I started temping that's really the the birth story of my career um and so I decided that you know that was six years of finance and accounting I thought that's good I'm ready to now take that and do something with it so I transferred into um the consulting practice and we call it uh, the CFO and EV practice which is the finance um we work with the the CFO and their finance functions so, and that is where I'm at now. That's a moonshot. That is a grand challenge. How do you, <laughs> and, and I think the randomness makes it so much more human too, that that's the, the story, the exclamation mark we always want to see. And, oh, that gives such optimism, I think, especially for people trying to figure out, okay, 
how do I line everything up? And sometimes it's letting the universe just be random. <laughs> it's so random. And it's, you know, growing up, everyone says, um, you know, I got this job and I never really thought I would end up here, but this is where I'm at. And I thought, how does that even happen? Like, it just didn't make sense to me because you get a degree for a specific job and then you go out and you find that job. And it just didn't make sense to, to me at the time. And it makes complete sense now. Oh. You just, you follow the opportunities, you follow just wherever it takes you. And here, and here we, and here we are talking to next gen consulting, really setting mm -hmm. the tone for how others can hopefully follow a similar path and feel comfortable in. It's not always going to be one way, one straight through line. So, oh, you guys, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I Accenture is so lucky to have all of your talent and your vision for all that you have already accomplished. It's it's really quite extraordinary. I think what we would really love to hear in terms of um, what you just described, given you have such different paths and such different backgrounds, how does that enhance the culture of Accenture? So do you see Accenture as being a place where a lot of integrated knowledge, different backgrounds comes together? How does Accenture's culture really impact your day in and day out? And anyone can jump in, of course. Yeah, I think that from my experience, everyone I meet there, whether they they call them lifers, the ones who have been there for like 20 something years, their whole life, like they started in college, are still there because they've gone to multiple jobs, like they have multiple careers within Accenture. Right. So whether it's that or if they're have been other places and then join Accenture later, it's everyone has very unique interests and journeys and they all have really interesting outside interests. And it seems like the culture is to be overall and a well-rounded human outside of being an employee. And I think that culture is what makes it such a really unique is that like, I mean, our, one of our sayings is to be truly human. And I think that that's really runs true that they try to make everyone try to hire on a very diverse people and interests, just because then when you're all in the same room together, trying to, ideate something or think outside the box you actually can think outside the box because yeah. you're not as limited as maybe a group think would be um if everyone was cookie cutter in the exact same okay that's so i think that sounds awesome yeah demi go ahead yeah just and just to kind of um build upon that too you know it's something that kind of keep in mind is that Accenture is huge it's a it's a company of over five hundred thousand people you know, worldwide, like, you know, by, by nature, it's, you know, it is, it is really, really diverse. And I feel like there's so many opportunities to connect with so many amazing people too. I mean, I'm, you know, I've been consulting for a little while, but I'm, I'm fairly new to Accenture. But what I've noticed actually um, is just the opportunities to either mentor others or to be mentored by, by, by other people that have been, uh, been in consulting for a really long time. And I think that um, in terms of, uh, you know, career growth, not only, you know, knowing, uh, you know, how to even get promoted, you know, within Accenture beyond that, like it also can, you know, the, like connecting with the right people can really help you kind of figure out what the next step even is, you know, um, beyond like, you know, if you're the rest of your, um, you know, your career is not, you know, at Accenture too, to figure out like what your real interests are and to develop the right kind of skill sets, you know, um, in order to just be marketable too, you know, um, people that have been in consulting for a really long time have a really good idea 
of the kind of skill sets that you need to build, you know, and, and I'm on the technical side, you know, I'm in, I'm in Accenture, um, I, I'm in applied intelligence, which is, um, you know, more, more technology based. And so, um, you know, it's important for us to kind of be very well rounded in a lot of different areas, you know, not only, um, you know, in, in um, uh, data engineering, but knowing how to code in the right languages and, you know, kind of learning all of those things. And so having someone that's really experienced kind of pointing you in the right direction really makes all the difference. So awesome. And that all it's amazing that you really have been a part of it for just a few months now when you think about it. Obviously, it's all led to this, but that's incredible to me. Thank you. Ron, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I will say I do. I love how you already kind of sense that after just a few months of being at Accenture. But um, that for me, coming to Accenture at the time was over 300,000 employees. Now we're at over 500,000. But it was a huge culture shock for me because I had never worked for such a large global um, enterprise. And so the just how do you connect with people in such a large organization was such a, a mystery to me. But you realize that it it feel it's so much smaller than five hundred thousand. It really doesn't feel like that. And a perfect example is the fact that I met Mary a year a year and a half ago on a project, and we've just stayed connected. Um, and that is encouraged. And that for me, being a new consultant, was something that was again new for me. Where you have to build your network. It wasn't quite as important when I was in finance, mm-hmm. but. Um, in, in consulting, that is highly encouraged to build your network, find your mentors, um, mentor somebody else, and, um, and then it really doesn't feel that big. Well, and I wonder, too, that just given the nature of women in consulting, is it almost assumed that women will take the initiative to build these networks and build these mentorships? In other words, sometimes I think there's that stereotype that exists that women have the soft skills and men might have the more technical skills. How do you break down those sort of stereotypes? How does how does Accenture support your your role in that in that again very I think stereotypical approach, but it still exists within this culture and all the upheavals that we're experiencing right now. I wonder if you guys can talk through what that looks like too. I've actually never, I don't want to say never, but um, I have not had challenges in in terms of at least my career growth, um, being a woman at Accenture. And I, the messaging that I have heard for years is you have to own your own career. And so I don't know what people are saying to the men, but I imagine it's the same commentary. But you do have to own your own career and advocate for yourself. So, again, another thing in such a massive organization is that um, you can't just say to your boss, hey, I think I'm ready for a promotion. I've been doing this and that, and I'm ready. Um, Unfortunately, for such a massive organization, there are processes, and there is a promotion calendar, and then there are things that you need to check off to be able to say, hey, I am ready. And then... You have to be presented with other people who are also doing the same thing. So you have to, when I say own your own career, you need to make sure you are doing those things, that you're connecting with the right people who will um, defend your promotion, 
who will say, actually, I have worked with her and she was really great at this and really great at that. Um, and that's, that's how you, that's how you can really grow is by, by doing that. Yeah. And it's, it sounds so easy. And if we can just really stick to these gradual initiatives. Yeah, no, it's true. What else do you guys, Mary or, or Demi, any thoughts on that? I will say, I think one thing with Accenture being so large, it, it can be confusing to see how all works together and there's always restructuring and reorganization. We had another one this year and it changed a lot of things. And so you may say like, yeah, I do marketing. People are like, well, what kind of marketing? What do you do? I don't know. Like, it's almost a, there can be a disconnect. So my last team where I was the only marketing person and it was mostly men when I was on it and they almost didn't know what to do with me. Um, mm-hmm. It was a small team and it, they were very encouraging, but they just didn't know quite where, like, I don't know where your next step would be because that's just not part of my organization. And I did get some comments sometimes being as a designer, like, oh, can you just make this PowerPoint deck pretty? It was oh. like, it's not how it works, but... Mm-hmm. Um, at all. <laughs> that's not how it works. Yeah, it's like <laughs> not a designer, it's not what you want to hear and make things pretty. I got that a lot. But I do think that those types of mindset have everyone's very open-minded and it's kind of just like once you see how everything fits together then you have more context and can figure out oh I can connect with this person they'll know more they'll know more and then that's how for me I was able to find my next career jump but it, it can be difficult just because it can get siloed but I think they they do try really hard to be one Accenture but especially as a woman too it's the marketing part of organization being the soft skills often has the connotation of being the mom jobs um i've heard the mom the mommy track a lot for marketing because it's like oh you can work from home you can be really flexible it's not that challenging it's not like consulting like you do consulting while you're single and once your kids do the mommy track and like that's also not how it works either like it's it's a very oversimplified term and seeing i think it's kind of been nice having most of the work be remote this year because it's even the playing field and like we're all like you can still be a really hard worker and do a lot of things with, and it's not connotating it as the mommy track or anything. And it's just being flexible. But so that was kind of an interesting for me, but I think that's hopefully going to get diminished more and more as time goes on as we all adapt these new work methods. <laughs> yeah. It, it is sort of this unexpected level playing field. No one's wanted this. And yet I'm sure there are some consequences, positive and negative that we just haven't, really scanned for yet and we'll start to to hopefully really infiltrate the culture in new ways yeah Debbie any ideas on, oh yeah Ooh, can I just add one thing um I earlier today just a little story that Mary made me think of um I I feel like even though we um were remote this year the consulting practice we're generally remote because we're we're traveling wherever so I'm used to having all of these uh, remote calls. And what I usually hear when we have women on the line is their kids in the background, right? Um, today, there was a man on the line who was really struggling to get his point across because there was something going on in the background with those kids. Oh, no. <laughs> someone was screeching at someone and it just... And you could just tell he's trying to get his point across. And he's like, I'm sorry, everyone. I live in a zoo. (laughs) But it was, for me, I was like, I was just very aware that that never happens with the men. Um, So it just, I was like, 
kind of happy, but yeah. he knows what it feels like because it's always the woman who picks up that second shift. Yeah. And, and you be empathetic. <laughs> well, and I think that's that's really so much a part of this, like the soft skills and the empathy. And even if we don't have that experience of being a parent, can we understand the emotion that must have been underscoring what was going on in that background and how does that right, which then impact the meeting it impacts the work yeah. and now it's not just women's problem right right it is we are all in this together i know it sounds right. so cliche and yet i think there's a truth to it yeah no that's a great story oh that's a great <laughs> story demi any any ideas on your side about kind of soft skills and how those get really associated with with your role? Yeah, so I, I would say, you know, at least, you know, with the, you know, the, with the client that I'm on, with the team that, you know, I have, I haven't really noticed a difference, you know, um, you know, in terms of, of gender and, you know, the kind of responsibilities that are, you know, given to one person versus another. I think, um, you know, the, um, uh, our, our engagement manager who manages our account does a really, really good job of doling out that work, you know, pretty equally. Um, and actually, you know, uh, we're, right now, you know, because we've been acquired, you know, um, things are things are changing. But with Clarity, there is even like financial incentive to even like, you know, chip in and help and mentor others and, you know, and do, do stuff outside of, you know, your regular, you know, client work. And so, um, so we'll see kind of how that shapes out, you know, in the future with this acquisition. Um, but, um, but I've got to say that, um, you know, I, I absolutely agree with uh, some things that um, Lerone had said, you know, in terms of really owning, you know, your career, your path, and, you know, and speaking up, you know, when it comes to all the work that you're doing, you know, every day, <laughs> you know, on a project, you know, like write it down, document it somewhere, because, you know, as time goes by, it's, it's easy to forget everything that you contribute you know um and sometimes we get into this rut too you know or i do i would say you know where it's kind of like am i contributing enough am i doing enough you know and then i, I go back and i start looking at everything that i did you know over the last couple of months and it's like wow yeah you know <laughs> i am actually contributing quite a bit it's just sometimes we get caught in it and we're always trying to do better and sometimes it feels like it's not enough you know yeah. but it really it really is you know we're really pushing as hard as we can go so um so i think it's uh you know it's taking that moment to um assign value, you know, to, you know, what we contribute, you know, on a, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis to our projects and, you know, to other team members, um, and really sharing that, you know, I'd say that, um, you know, after moving from Clarity, which was, you know, around 500 people to Accenture, you know, 500,000 people, what I'm, what I'm kind of noticing is that, you know, that amount of self-advocacy is going to have to certainly increase, you know, because the visibility is not, you know, it is, it's not, there's not as much visibility, you know, is, is the, you know, the nature of a larger organization so um you know it's about being strategic you know connecting with the right people you know that will advocate for you right understanding you know what is needed to get to that next level you know are you really checking all of those boxes and you know and does that you know and if you if you feel that way you know just the person that's advocate that's supposed to advocate for you feel that way as well um so you know it's a it, it's a lot but you know i think that um you know staying focused and connecting with the right people um, you know, can make it go smoothly. So. I, I almost feel like I needed to hear that for me. So selfishly, I hope everybody gets a lot out of this recording, but just know that I just got a big jolt of energy on my, on my own career. So thank <laughs> the three of you for that. that. It's so inspirational though. You're right. I mean, there's so much value to add and how are we reflecting on when it's there and we feel it and we get so in our heads, I think sometimes 
about it and trying to, you know, wow the client and what does that ultimately mean? How can we advocate? That's yeah, all, those are all moonshot moments, my friends, without a doubt. Um, we could talk at length about, I have so many other questions. You guys are just such pros in this space. My, my big, I guess, final question though, gets a little bit more into the weeds of things. I'd love to talk about communication and more specifically, um, you know, any communication tactics, strategies that you find really particular, find helpful in particular, um, advocating for yourself, yes, all of those things. Um, we can even get as nitty gritty granular as Microsoft Teams, how you guys use <laughs> Microsoft Teams. Um, so we'll start with some communication pro tips. I think especially recognizing that we all want to build relationships with clients, you know, what, what happens with a difficult client, you know, those, those sort of communication stories would be welcome here. And any advice, of course, on communication with Microsoft Teams. I will say that, um, not to jump ahead, but I was around for um, two, I don't remember what the first one was called, but we had Skype for Business before we had Microsoft Teams. And before Skype for Business, we had Oh, we had Link. Right. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, I will say that I have never been very good at um, adjusting to new technology, considering I work for a technology company. Um, but every time we've had something new like that come out or they push an update that is, is going to change something dramatically, um, like when we move to Windows, whatever we're on now, 10. <laughs> um, but I always went through those transitions, kicking and screaming. And I, and that's not to my benefit at all. And that's why I say that. Um, because especially what I've learned at Accenture is that we have to be really flexible and agile and, and just adjust to the new technology and then just run with it because we don't have time to always remote. So Teams is my number one form of communication. So always in your best interest to figure out how it works um, and embrace it. And, and just, yes, the embrace, the flexibility, mm -hmm. words to live by without a doubt. And I think that can be translated to anything, um, especially if, you know, you're talking about being a consultant at the client site and, and helping them with their problems. Um, there are times where we're, we're talking about technology with the client that I don't even know. I'm not familiar with their technology. So you just have to um, get there as fast as you can. Yeah, be agile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Demi or Mary? One of my challenges has been, especially communicating with leadership there, or even just my like more managers, it's, they're so busy, they're so overwhelmed, there are so many meetings, so many calls, so many emails. And especially, I think this year, been a lot more emails than normal. And so I always feel like I'm being annoying. I'm like, I don't want to follow up. I don't want to ask questions. I don't want to be one more email. I don't want to be one more event. And my current supervisors really pushed me to be like, you people can complain all they want, but if you need something, you have to push. It's like, be polite, be punctual but be professional and just get what you need and don't apologize for it because right. people complain forever and ever and um you kind of just got to go with it and then another suggestion so at least for me personally i don't have a separate uh work phone but i'm able to get 
Teams and email on my phone. And so my personal phone and you're able to adapt to it. I found that I had to remove work email from my phone because I'm a zero inbox person and the Accenture mm-hmm. inbox is really hard to get zero. Yeah. And so I had to remove from there. I still keep teams on there. So I'm able to be flexible, especially like say if my, my Wi-Fi crashes, I can join on LTE on my phone. So it's kind of nice to have that or the hotspot, whatever. It's good to have the options, but you don't want to make your, like, it's, you have to find your own balance between being too available with communicating because, or else whether, I mean, I think a lot of companies are this way. And I think Accenture has always been this way, but I mean, I can have my device open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. most days and not always healthy. So you have to find your own boundaries. And I think that's become more of the norm in all industries nowadays, right. but as of like 2020, but I think especially in a consulting company, it's easy just to be online all the time. And, and <laughs> I agree with that. In the beginning of COVID, the team, the project that I was on was already pretty intense and busy and working a lot. And I just, I thought there is never an end to my work day. It just felt like a rolling work day. Yeah. And it's a terrible feeling. And I, I do wonder how many other people feel that way with COVID because what else are we doing? We should be available, right? Where are we going? We have nowhere to go. <laughs> right. And the alert is right there. And it's very easy to just quickly, you know, or even give the thumbs up that almost is a green light sort of open invite you're on. So let's ask more questions. Yeah. And then what do you do when you're not that person who has children to use as the, hey, I have to go. I have kids. That for me has always been a challenge because um, just because I don't have kids that I need to take care of doesn't mean I don't have other personal things in my life. And yeah, well, and I have two cats, but I don't think that helps my, how I look. <laughs> I don't think that helps my image. It should. And that's- <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's another I'm wholeheartedly nodding. Yes, yes, yes. Timmy, jump in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely agree with everything that was said, um, you know, part of this. Um, Yeah, I think that um, in order to prevent burnout, you know, there has to be some boundaries around when, you know, uh, you know, everything closes, right? The laptop, you know, teams, you know, I know we all have it on our phones, but, you know, they kind of be like, okay, maybe this can wait until tomorrow morning unless it's like, you know, something that's really dire. Um, and I think that's good, you know, because I don't know, like, if, if we're thinking about it, you know, we're in it for the long haul. <laughs> so I don't want to be exhausted, you know, the next day or the next week. So, uh, you know, want to come in fresh. So that's the way that I, I try to conceptualize it. And um, in terms of communication, too. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, those hours, right, you know, where we're, we're on, right, you know, it's really important to be available. I think that, you know, that's something that's really important to a lot of clients. Um, you know, communicating clearly, um, and then also just being really persistent to get information. So something that, um, you know, uh, I, I needed to adjust to from going from, you know, Northwestern, you know, to, you know, into consulting is, you know, when you're not internal, you know, when you're not an internal person, you know, what you have to kind of figure out, you know, like kind of like think about um, is that, you know, this company hired externally because they don't have all this, this internal capability, right? You know, they're bringing us in because we're the subject matter experts and everything. And, um, you know, we, we really need to be, um, you know, super, super prepared, you know, with like every single meeting and every single, single interaction with them. Um, 
But beyond that, you know, it's, um, you know, it can be sometimes difficult to get the information that we need, you know, in order to, um, to like improve, you know, to improve the situation that we've been brought into, right? Um, and so it's important to, you know, I guess not be shy, right, about follow-ups, like Mary had said, you know, just, um, you know, uh, be really firm, you know, upbeat, you know, um, you know, assertive, you know, about getting that information. And I think that um, when it comes to, uh, you know, um, I suppose like, you know, communication styles, just always keeping like a warm tone, you know, I think really goes a long way with a lot of people. Um, and just, you know, if you're feeling frazzled to like take a step back and then, you know, come back and you're feeling more even keel. So, you know, I think that that really matters to a lot of people. So that is awesome advice. And I, I do think that we are so we can all be emotionally charged in our work because we have passion for it and we're enthusiastic for it. But sometimes taking that step back and putting that space between you and the email or the team's chat that you don't need to send becomes very um, a, a symbol of the leadership capacity that you have. Yeah. I do wonder though, how many women think, or how many men think that way? Right. Because we, I feel like women were always um, monitoring how are we being too aggressive? Are we being too passive? Are we being too loud? Are we being too soft? Um, and I don't, I don't know that men ever have that thought process. I think they just do. It's the, and I think to the idea of having a warm tone that again, it almost goes into that soft skill, yes. you know? And so it's it's the language around it as well. And I don't mean to say, I wasn't trying to call you out, Demi, to no. say that we shouldn't have a soft tone or a warm tone. And and I agree with that. I just wonder. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's kind of a little, it is a little bit different in that respect. And, you know, also not kind of being spoken over in meetings too. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Know, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I'm part of a big family, so you know, I feel like that voice sometimes has to come out a little bit. You yeah, know, you have to, you know, be heard at the dining room table. <laughs> not, yeah. in a, not in an aggressive way, you know, but kind of like I'm not going to stop my thought until it's finished. Right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> very true. That's funny because I come from a loud family too, or not too. You didn't say loud; you said big. <laughs> but I come from a loud family. And, and you do, you, you just have to like insert yourself if you want to be heard. And it's funny because some feedback I got from um, leadership this year on a project that I was on, they were trying to help coach me to bring my voice down. Um, because what, it was specifically for presenting to the client and to slow down and to bring it was just a big joke on the team. Lerone needs to bring her voice down an octave. Like, just bring it down, slow down, because because I do. I get excited and I want people to hear me. And and it's I like to have like a very just natural conversation. But when you're trying to present information to the client to consume and understand, you have to adjust your style. Mm -hmm. You have totally. to read the room, I guess. And it's mm -hmm. even more challenging in reading the Zoom room at this mm -hmm. point. So, which and the video chatting helps, you know, that same client um, when we would be having these meetings and we could see her face on the video and then we're off on the side texting or, you know, pinging each other like we lost her. We lost her because I can see her face and she's not listening anymore. Oh. 
So you have to be, that goes back to what we were talking about before, just being flexible and, okay, that approach didn't work. Let's use this approach. She, we're losing the client and, and we need her. We need them bought in. We need them yeah, on board. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And to actually understand, I think what consultants forget is that we, we are the experts, like you said, Demi, but not everyone speaks our language. Right. So we have to use language that the client can understand, not the consulting lingo that right. um, you don't even realize you start using until you've been using it for so long. I swear I would never be that person. And just <laughs> to having to really regulate and step back and reflect to make sure that you don't become that jargony acronym yeah. <laughs> driven because it's, and yeah. I, I always think that's the paradox in communication, especially for students. We want students to have an acumen, develop this way of articulating. And then we will say, no, but just be as simple as possible. Just be simple. <laughs> don't, mm -hmm. don't, don't speak in that, in that, you know, that language. And so there's this paradox that we have to feel comfortable with and it's takes practice. It does. Mm -hmm. It really does. Well, I am beyond grateful for the time you could share this incredible advice and your extraordinary careers and the challenges and the, the risks you've assumed in so many ways to move forward and really stand up for your careers. And Accenture is lucky to have you guys. That is absolutely certain. So thank you guys so much for spending your time. I can't wait to share this recording with our next-gen consultants. And I hope we have some more ramblers find their way over to Accenture. Thank you guys. Thank you. Yay. Yay.